believe in honesty and vulnerability in, in vulnerability in art. So I'll take one for the team. Yeah, 2020 has been um, a huge transitional year for me. Um, I was <coughs> I was teaching with <coughs> Bentonville Schools, and uh, I just got burned out. I was up in I was in year 12, and um, <coughs> I felt like I was like well I was an art teacher, so I felt like I when I got my degree when I started in public education that I had to prove myself because there wasn't a whole lot of respect for art teachers when I started you know we were just I felt like an elective you know even more, even though we were an elective but that's another rant for another time so I came into the district with people basically like quote-unquote pulling rank on me because you know they can take my kids whenever they wanted to so um, and then trying to be an artist and an art teacher in, in such as a strict uh, school district just, just made expression very hard, very difficult, especially when you were supposed to adhere to standards. And if you can get a good administrator on your side, you know, they would, they would at least understand that, you know, we were there for expression, you know, we were also there to be serious teachers too. Um, so yeah, did the best I can and had some successes. Um, you know, I think I, I used to love getting like actual art um, ideas from the kids. Um, but uh, I just kept giving. I kept giving and giving and giving to that district. And I'm sure that's probably my own boundary issues now that I hear myself say that out loud. Um, but I kept giving, kept giving. Then I had some goals that I wanted to, to reach. And I decided that, okay, cool, I got some goals to work towards. So that kind of fueled the momentum. And. Um, met a really amazing um, principal who I followed into the middle school level and I wasn't ready for that young age group I just I thought I was I was more enamored by the leadership and the, the teachers and then I met the kids and I was like oh my god you're really young and then not only were they really young they were like three times the size of the student body that I was teaching when I left junior high like when I was teaching junior high, I was responsible maybe for like 175 kids. You know, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. But it was manageable. And then I went to middle school where I pretty much saw almost every kid in the school. Like 500, 600 kids in and out of my week, in and out of my classroom every week. And I was like, hold on, here we go. Like I started struggling my very first year at middle school. And I just kept pressing on through, pressing on through. I was getting talked to all the time for my tone I had like a junior high tone I was meant to like teach other older kids but mm -hmm. little 10 year olds when they hear you talk like this they just you know so phone calls from parents were coming in saying that my my discipline was too strict and there were kids going home telling their mom that they couldn't like one girl little girl said she couldn't go to sleep at night and I'm like wow. yeah and I'm literally like holy crap I feel like a crazy person I'm trying my best to be really really nice and sweet to these little kids you know but I'm like this monster I was literally 50-50 at, at middle school level the kids either loved me or they hated me it was it was nuts and it was just constant stress add to the fact that it was just a blow off class at that level and teachers mm -hmm. te teachers taught it as a blow off class it was like this go to recess time and we just felt like recess and so I'm an artist by nature I want to teach art I want to I want to reach a cathartic point in all my classes. Mm -hmm. 
and I wasn't getting that. I was just babysitting. You know, I was constantly babysitting. I had to like manage behavior problems and kids stealing stuff and breaking stuff and and just not being looked at as a teen teacher. We were just we were encore. We were like, oh, those are the teachers, you know. And I heard professional teachers say that all the time. Oh yeah, just go get an encore teacher to do that. You know, it's like we were the lower. You know, and they could tell us all day long. No, we see you as equals. No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't treat us that way. They didn't. Um, and that attitude is going to carry on to the kids, so they're not going to take our classes seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So I did three years of that, and then they were building a new middle school, and I was like, heck yeah! I just need a change of environment. Mm-hmm. I'll go out to this new middle school, and it actually was pretty exciting. <clears throat> it was pretty exciting because. Um, just starting a new school sounded really cool and the principal made it sound like I kind of had the the pick and choosing of the classroom but on all the district had the final say like we were all going to have the same thing you mm-hmm. know like I had this really cool loft idea that would have got us high up on these windows and it got struck down and I'm like dude it would have been a really cool thing to have an art classroom this fucking huge that's yeah. huge but anyways went towards that I, I got that position I was super stoked had a great first year um well, it started out really great. Um, we're nearing the end of like my teaching experience here, mm-hmm. and um, there has just been a whole slew of just personal issues, just in my personal life from the very beginning. So, if if your pr- fellow teachers hadn't really seen you as teaching a lesser class, would you have had as much trouble? I think so. I don't know, like. I, I never really fit in the teaching anyway. I'm just cut from a different cloth, you know, and I, and, mm-hmm. and I meet these really, really clean, wholesome people, you know, and here I am. I come from construction, and I've been in the military, and I have this really, really rough background. So I just felt like the black sheep from the very beginning. Um, when I went to school in the very beginning, I didn't even know what I wanted to do anyway. I, I just love art, so I went to school for art, and I was mm-hmm. I had people telling me, you can't make money off of art. So I was like, okay, well, I'll find a career in art. And the easiest career, honestly, to find was teaching. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let's give this teaching thing a try. So at the, if I got to be honest with myself, teaching wasn't even on my spectrum when I was going into a professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that is just, you know, poor planning on my part, but... And people, I mean, I had a really, I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of staff that I, that I worked with over the past 12 years. Like, I made really good friends, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not wanna, I don't want to dismay, dismay any of that. And I learned so much. I really did learn some um, amazing just life stuff from these mm-hmm. people. Um, so I'm not entirely ungrateful. I'm just, yeah. I just have, a, I have beef with Bentonville. <laughs> I got beef with Bentonville schools, you know. Yeah. And not that I was expecting anything for what I've given, but... So my very first year at that new school, um, things were going really, really good. Um, that was also the year I had my divorce, so there was a lot going on. And um, but I won Teacher of the Year that year at the very first inaugural year at Creekside Middle School. You know, I won Teacher of the Year, and that felt I felt validated finally. Yeah, I felt like, man, right on. You know, like they recognize the arts as you know, achievable for this category, you know. Mm-hmm. So I got to enjoy that glory for maybe a week. Um, that was also the same week that my my ex told me that we should get a divorce. Like, <laughs> it was a lot going on. It was a very weird week. Yeah. 
But I, I maybe got to savor that moment for like a week and a half because I accidentally, so I was taking an art class down in Springdale at the same time. And, um, you know, they were getting really edgy with their art and stuff like that, you know. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to get edgy. I'm going to put a lot of the human figure, the nude figure in my art and stuff like that, you know. So on my phone, I had a collection of, uh, I have this selfie thing that's still going to happen one of these days. But it's funny what we, it's funny what we send through our phones. It's so funny. It's mm-hmm. like, this is a totally different discussion for another time. But people, you text pictures of your genitalia to each other. I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> like, what if animals and dogs are just like, you know, like that. To me, that's a funny, funny concept that yeah. humans do that. And I want to poke at that with art. And so I was going to do this thing called send, send nudes. And I was going to be this really edgy piece that I was going to submit at the end of this 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 session that I was that I was taking and so I had a collection of uh, tasteful like nothing explicit or x-rated but just all I did was I just got online and I and I was like you know send nudes and I hit imagery and I just <laughs> took some screenshots because I was just gonna cut slivers of them out so I got all these nudes male and female in my phone so that comes back to this story. I was really happy about a clay project at school that I was really just stoked about. Man, the kids did a wonderful job. So I took mm-hmm. all these pictures and to arrange the pictures, I went ahead and took screenshots to get them all in order. But I forgot to crop the little film strip out of the bottom of those screenshots right there. So I go onto my school Twitter account and tweet out this, this awesome you know, ceramics project that we just finished up. And I was really proud of my Twitter. Like I had a good <laughs> educational following. I had like 1,500 people of followers, you know, and everything. Yeah. You know, and uh, and our principal was like real pro Twitter, and you know, being in that whole world. Well, dude, I leaked out these these little film strip of selfies, and they ended up being like two guys on top of that, which poor little conservative Bentonville could not handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so momentum's going good. I got teacher of the year. I'm happy. Classes are going okay, and I get a text from my principal, dude, take that tweet down now. And I'm like, oh my god. You know, I was like, yes, sir. And I got on Twitter and mm-hmm. deleted it. And he let me sit on that for like a day, dude, for like a day. Like, I kept checking. I was like, hey, man, like, what, what happened? He goes, something very bad. We're going to have to talk. And I'm like, so I'm looking through the pictures. I'm like, did the kids make something that, like, you know, like, one girl made a unicorn horn. And I thought maybe someone saw that and had a problem with it, you know, with the phallic yeah. nature of it, you know. And I was like, so... I completely missed it because I didn't look at the little film strip down there, which was just two very pixelated it, images of like a, a guy nude just kind of sitting back on the beach, and another one like in the mirror taking a selfie. And like you see his, you see his butt, dude. It was like, you know. But again, it was going to go to those that project, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, um, I was basically suspended for two days without pay, without even a say. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just won Teacher of the Year. Teachers are gonna have like 11 years of all this stuff I've been giving to the district. I couldn't just, you know, there was so many rumors. But the biggest rumor I heard was that someone on the board caught sight of it and they were gonna fire me on the spot or something like that. So in order to make a political presentation, I was, you know, I was suspended for two days without pay, and that really hurt. That that really took a chunk of, mm-hmm. yeah, it took a blast of the finances because <clears throat> I was going to a divorce at the same time. Yeah, <clears throat> and so I've never gotten over that. I don't know. I just that was the start of it all. That was three years ago, um, and uh, I get this letter. I get this. They they 
gave one to me at school and they mailed one to me at home and it was this letter of disappointment and just utter and one of the points that they made was that I had betrayed Bentonville's trust dude and that was a knife in the gut dude and, mm. um, I just man you know and we're, we were supposed to sit in this uh, you know teacher of the year ceremony and the whole town just sitting around all these hypocrites you know and mm -hmm. it, was, it just drove me crazy you know so I made it to that year come back second year and I'm just battling <clears throat> um, just a lot of life changes you know mm -hmm. after my divorce like I, I, I publicly came out you know and so I was also managing you know the fact of being like an openly gay person in the professional atmosphere in a very conservative mm -hmm. you know school district you know so but I got some support there but it was just a lot going on you know mm -hmm. and I'm trying to learn how to live on my own after a 20-year marriage you know and, and shit and then I got my own personal issues and then so anyway that year I get accused uh, from a student of throwing pencils at her one day. Uh, it was a different class, different, like no, her story did not line up. Hmm. Um, at this, I don't know what the heck's up with my karma, but uh, the very same day of that notification, I come home to an eviction notice on my apartment because of my ridiculous animal here. <laughs> um, so, you know, things just always kind of come in like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So again, once again, without not being able to tell my side of the story, I was given like 30 days like administrative leave, I was paid for it, but I was taken away out of my school for 30 days, you know, and I had to show all this evidence that I was going to mental health clinics and doing all this stuff to face this issue of anger or something that, you know, hmm. and no one would believe me that like, this t story was made up, yeah. made up. And in the very, in the email from the aunt, like, the email said that, like there were puncture wounds above her eye and her hand. I'm like, I was like, show me the pictures. Show, yeah. like, show me the pictures. Like, how did I throw a pencil that hard at a child? Made no sense where this came from. Any idea why that was made up? Have no idea. I was never able to address it. Never. I was just able just to come back and be hush hush. They they moved the girl to the class next door, so I continue to see her every day. This little kid who got to make up this story about me, you know. So that was second year, and then I barely made it through my, my third year is when I quit. I, that's when I moved into that new apartment, and um, I was just struggling with my mental I was probably drinking a little bit too much, and I was just, I was just getting a little pissed at the world. I was getting a little bit mm -hmm. careless with just behaviors, and um, that all wound me up into like a, a little stint in the hospital for a while. I came out, and I just couldn't get my bearing after that. And then I just, I just quit. We came back January 29th mm -hmm. and had some little kid acting up in my class. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I was like, I, I've had enough. And I walked out in the hall and I radioed down to someone. Hey, someone come to my classroom. And our counselor comes running up to me. And she's like, hey, what's up? I was like, I took off my badge and I handed it to her. I was like, I quit. She's like, what? I was like, she goes, she pushes it back to me. She's like, I need you to think about this. I was like, no, I've, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this for a very long time. <laughs> I quit. I was like, I, I quit this fucking job, you know, mm -hmm. that I love, but that kept hurting me, you know? Yeah. I, it kept hurting me and hurting me and hurting me. And I just kept looking like a more crazier person. And then that ran amok, you know, and all this, and I quit. So, yeah, I quit bought a fifth wheel and moved out to 
family's land and just wanted to get away from society for a minute and then that was an irrational decision so now we're kind of back in a more stable environment for my daughter when you moved into your trailer what mm -hmm. were you thinking it was exhilarating at first it was it was an amazing adventure because i love road trips and i just love that whole jack kerouac style mm -hmm. you know i just i just love it and i'm going back there you know one day mm -hmm. what was it like as you were making the decision to move out of your trailer again um it was bittersweet you know and it was a really nice thing going on out there i built a nice little deck i was working on an add-on i was going to slowly convert the whole thing to a little tiny home and we've got this really cool little community of family out there mm -hmm. um but um it was just i can't be in a fifth wheel camper with my freshman daughter you know she needs her privacy i need my privacy mm -hmm. um, it was the time it was just really bad yeah um <clears throat> then it fell to this whole COVID year, which in a way kind of bought me some time. The whole quarantine time, I was kind of stress-free, but um, yeah, we just I just started feeling kind of isolated. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I just I it dawned on me around May or June that I'm like I I need to work, like that's in my blood. Mm -hmm. Like I need to just I need to work and I need to work hard and. I really didn't know what to do. I couldn't get a job anywhere, especially with the whole COVID thing happening. Mm -hmm. And my friend was like, hey, man, call my dad. He's got this construction business. And I thought, I come from construction, you know. I'm like, okay, let's let's do it, you know. And uh, it's a really good decision. Like, I, I love this freaking job. It's every day's boot camp, but, <laughs> like, teaching sent me home. Teaching sent me home every day feeling like a failure. But this job, even on my bad days where I make a bad mistake, mm -hmm. I still learned something. I still made something. Yeah. And, you know, and I banged my hands up and I broke myself all up. I fell <laughs> last week. So now I can't work for another week. But I can't wait to get back to it and build. And mm -hmm. tools are awesome. And there's like, no kids or parents. <laughs> <laughs> and you like working with your hands. Love working with my hands, yeah. Yeah, and I'm learning a lot too. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you mentioned setting boundaries in your teacher position. What yeah. do you think are some boundaries you should have set? I mean, I should have said no more. I should have said no a lot more. I said yes to everything because I was just trying to please everybody. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for opportunities to promote. Like, I, I really wanted to like brand myself you know as as this professional that maybe one day would lead to make i don't know some public speaking or some consulting or something you know and, mm -hmm. and in order to do that it, it opened up opportunities for me to go to a lot of really cool conferences so i was going to places just feeding on really cool information and i was a lot i was a part of a lot of really fun things mm -hmm. so i don't regret that but somewhere I just wasn't taking care of myself, I think. And then I got, I've got a his history of mental illness, so I just wasn't treated properly, you know, in the whole teaching scene. Um, yeah, I kind of took the direction, we, we changed directions real fast here. Yeah, I just, uh, I should have been on medication a long, long, long time ago. And I, you know, because of uh, old religious ethical reasons, I, I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, and, and stuff like that, so.
uh, everything just kind of came to a head. You know. mm-hmm. But I, you know, I don't regret it, dude. I don't regret it. And I, it happened. It was yeah. painful. Like my principal and I still kind of reach out to each other, even though we both know that we know that we know. You know. Mm-hmm. So I don't care, dude. It, it worked out. Like I'm doing something that I love. You mentioned being openly gay. Did your divorce have any relation to you being becoming gay or or yeah, no, anything uh, like that? Yeah, uh, no. I always, I've always known. Okay, I've always known. Like, is my earliest, earliest memories. You just, you just know what your preferences are, you know, and I just always known. Um, but I grew up in a in a very, very religious setting and mm-hmm. um <clears throat> god was presented as like there was a lot of hell and mm-hmm. you know and stuff that stuff that i was taught that actually really isn't in the bible you know um and then i was held at an old testament standard of living mm-hmm. um which i think a lot of christians fail to keep doing you know like the old testament is still so heavily handed on people i'll save that for another time yeah um, so I spent my whole life just pretending to be another person. Maybe that, maybe that's what the, <clears throat> the mental illness is from, you know, yeah, um, that can maybe be that's it. where the PTSD is from. I, I spent my entire life pretending to be someone else out of fear. You know, mm-hmm. I had a gay uncle and my dad, I, I heard stories of my dad putting him in the hospital, you know, and stuff like that. So it was this fear of like. Like be a, be a man. Up or? Yeah, you put him in the hospital. You like attacked him. You know. Wow. I grew up with my mom always screaming at me like, "Walk like a man!" You know, everyone was always like, "Walk like a man!" You know, and at school, kids were always like, "How can you talk like a girl?" And blah, 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 you know, and then I got I got bullied pretty harshly from seventh to ninth grade mm-hmm. about it, and um, until I just had enough, and then the rest of high school that I just got into the party scene and just covered it all with drugs. You know, <laughs> um, so. But it was always religion. Religion was always there. You know, that, that true me never existed. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't there. You know, do not be that guy, you know. And, I mean, did I experiment? Yep, I experimented a lot. I experimented a lot in high school. Um, but it was just this constant guilt. It was just this constant, like, uh, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to hell. You know, my first experience with another dude, I was like, I remember the whole way home, like, praying. I was 16 years old and the whole way home praying that I wasn't going to die, like, in a car crash or something. You know, I got... I just didn't know what to do. I was horrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was a football player, by the way. <laughs> One of the high school football players was my first freaking experience. It was it was crazy. What is with all the animals here? <laughs> um, yeah, but I had to keep swallowing it down and just push it down. I'm not this person. So I really, like, got toxically masculine, and I got really into, like, the street scene, and, like, you know, mm-hmm. my neighborhood was really real furious, so I was just all about it, you know, just bl- wearing nothing but black, and, yeah, you know, it was the early 90s, so it was, like, just gangster, and just mm-hmm. be as hard as you can, <clears throat> and then I took that mentality, and I mixed that with, like, evangelical Bible stuff, and it just became this, this Bible man, this tough, tough Bible man, and then I met my future wife at a youth group you know and we were all just really good friends and stuff and i just she was just really fun to be around she was a really good friend you Mm -hmm. know and and i was like cool you know i just liked hanging out with her you know but um we were young kids you know and just making dumb decisions 
but it was never in my mind to really ever stay with her you know it really wasn't um so i joined the military and i was like going to use the military as this time to really kind of just separate us and you know but mm -hmm. then that first year in the military i got really lonely and i thought you know what she's a good girl let's marry her i'm not supposed to be gay anyway um so I should be married, and I should have a family and go to church, and you mm -hmm. know. So I put all that thinking back together again, and I became that married guy. You know, so was marrying her scary then, since you knew you were gay? Um, no, it was exciting. I was like, ah, hell, I'm getting married, you know, and I can do this. I was like, I've done it my whole life. I can do this, you know. Um, I can express myself in my privatest of moments, you know, and if I ever, if the urges ever get to be, you know too much you know mm -hmm. um uh you know so we got married and we had a great we had a great time in the military we did a lot we had our son and um but i began to think about the end of the military i didn't want to stay in i wanted to get out i wanted to start being myself you know and mm -hmm. and uh it really began kind of thinking of the idea like hey i'm gonna have to be honest with my wife like i'm gonna have to let her know this thing you know and if it leads to divorce and that's what it is or if we stick it out and work something out you know whatever i was just ready for whatever you know so um the very last day on that military base we conceived my daughter <laughs> so <laughs> left left the military with now two kids and i had the distraction of transition from the military world to civilian world to just keep me completely distracted mm -hmm. and so there was that whole rough year of just not even knowing who the fuck i was anymore i didn't know who I was. Now I was having a complete identity just meltdown. I, I look back at pictures and I used to dress really weird and I gained a lot of weight. Dude, I put like 30 pounds on like in three months. Wow. Yeah, it was like enough to like where there was a crew we were working with and we, we separated from these guys and we caught back up on another job and one of the guys was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like he visibly noticed this weight gain. You know, so I just wasn't I just didn't know what to do. I was just, someone mm -hmm. just sent me to work. I come home and I take care of my babies, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we got, we just dove headstrong into church. We just, it was church. It was ministry. It was Saturday morning stuff. It was Wednesday. We just buried ourselves in it. And uh, it just began to just to wear on me like right away, you know, until I can't remember how it all went down because it was a very shameful moment. It was very traumatic, but I do remember telling my wife at the time, like, hey, I think I might be, like, you know, struggling with homosexuality, you know, and she just verbally just, just broke me apart. Wow. And she got her family involved, the church got involved, and I was sitting in these prayer circles, and I was going to conversion therapies, and, and I lived my 20s and my 30s under this, this, this guise of being this, this, mm -hmm. just this fucking disgusting injured person you know and again though we had good times you know yeah. we, had, we had family we had kids to invest in there was family stuff you know but it was just this thing i just was like mm -hmm. constantly you know constantly just holding down you know and then um i just couldn't help it anymore i really couldn't you know i began to just really kind of get closer to my male friends um I begin to act, actually act out in really like uh, obsessively compulsive ways with like my male friends. I was really, I was like a lot in my, my male friendships. Like I would chase a lot of male friends away because I was just so clingy. I was just yeah. like, oh my God, you know, and there was this confusion. 
this constant confusion that, oh, they see it, they see it, you know, and then there was all this insecurity and shit. And, um, and then I just got to a point where I just didn't care. Dude. I just started being honest. I just started letting one or two people know in my life that, hey, mm -hmm. I think I'm gay, you know. And, but it was in the church scene, so it was just this thing that we're just going to keep quiet about, you know. Yeah. And, you know, just share with me anytime you get those, those urges, you know, and mm -hmm. we're going to pray the devil out of you and shit like that, you know. And, so we're... Were a lot of them trying to fix you then? Trying to fix me, yeah. It was like it was like uh, friendships with an agenda, you know. Mm -hmm. Now I just wanted the connection, the relationship, you know. So I became very codependent on my friendships, you know, and I, I ruined a lot. Of, I sell, I just self sabotaged, you know. So the fast forward, the kids are getting older, and life's kind of moving ahead. And Cindy and I are looking at each other like who the fuck are you, you know, because our, now our ideals are differing, you know, she's started to swing towards more right-winged ideas, I started swinging towards more left-wing ideas as I'm trying to, like, open up and broaden in the minds and stuff like that, and it wasn't until the Trump election, the first Trump election, where we were like, we looked at each other and we were like, who are you? We, we don't even know who you are anymore, because we just focused our mm -hmm. life on kids and you know, and checking on each other, you know, we maybe had sexual intercourse maybe a handful of times in 20 years. You know, we know we had it three times, you know, because we had three kids, you know. Yeah. But that, that bothered her. She wanted this exciting sexual marriage, and I was just like, I, I don't know how to do that, you know. And it began yeah. to wear on her self-esteem and her self-image, you know. And she took that really hard for a long time. And the gay thing was always the big elephant in the room, mm -hmm. you know. And every so once in a while, you hear publicly some evangelical or some politician come out, you know, after being caught with another guy or something like that. And she'd always look at me and be like, please don't let that ever be you. You know, she, she was always kind of fearing this, this scandal, you know. So she was afraid of getting a certain image. Yeah, yeah. And Cindy's image of a man, too, is very, like, her, her dad's a great, great man. And he's a picture of just American masculinity, you know. And that was what Cindy wanted to marry. She wanted this masculine mm -hmm. person you know I just got tired of I got tired of flexing I just got tired I just want to okay you know. yeah uh, you know and so I don't know fast forward um, she dressed up one day and we went out to eat and um, she was really friendly and she was like let's do it she was just like let's let's divorce and she was so optimistic and, She's like, let's, you know, go be you and I'll go be me. And let's just, you know, we're in our 40s now. You know, like, we, mm -hmm. let's go. And it was just great, you know. And I didn't see the storm that was coming, yeah. you know. Like, I feel like I'm just now, like, her and I are good, we're good friends now, you know. Yeah. But um, I also came out publicly to silence a bunch of rumors, you know, because that big thing happened at school with the two naked men. That was yeah. their, that was the words they used. You posted naked men on a school Twitter account. I'm like, you're missing it. I'm like, no, no. And like, they, I've never went back to that art project because they, they took that from me. I mean, they cheapened mm -hmm. it, you know. Um, yeah. And so I came out to just, I came out to, uh, to quiet rumors mm -hmm. and also be honest because I'm tired of bullshit. I'm tired of people being fake, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, this is who I am, folks. And I'm going to work through this, and I'm probably not going to work through it gracefully, but it's about time. I just, I kept myself quiet mm -hmm. long enough, you know. And, yeah, so it feels good, man. It feels like, you know, my my kids, I was worried about my kids for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure, 
you have this image of your parents, you know, your whole life, and then all of a sudden they come out differently. You know, Anthony was always like, mm -hmm. Dad, you were like against homosexuality, you know. I was like, I know. I was like, I hated yeah. my, I hated myself. I hated myself, and I used that hatred to hate everybody about that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's made my faith better, you know. I understand like the love of a, a God if that thing I know it exists you know I understand that mm -hmm. I understand that it's not who we think we are it's who he sees us as I don't know he or she or it or whatever <laughs> whatever it is you know yeah like I know that I'm not damned basically mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say like I had a lot of people like like I had my aunt talk to me last a month and a half ago or so and she just was like I just don't know how to pray for you and I'm like you don't have to pray for me she goes you know pretty much in a nutshell like sh my mind's been handed over to the devil so none of her prayers are going to work for me <laughs> you know my mom yeah they have a hard time with it my dad threatened my life and wow that was like our last conversation I haven't not really heard from him since how long ago was that about two years ago or so two two and a half years ago yeah you know. Did you have a good relationship with your dad before? Mm, I mean, both my parents were addicts. They were heroin junkies. So, I don't know if that's got to be the story for another time, you know, but yeah. he was in and out of jail. And then you'd get out of jail and he would find God and we would go through this, like, this time of strict religion. We had to throw all our music away and everything was holiness or you go to hell. Um, and then they would slip up, get back into drugs again, we'd lose everything, and then he'd go back to prison. So it was like this cycle, you know, until I just got sick of it. Mm -hmm. And my dad's a beautiful person, beautiful soul, he's creative. I get my artistic ways from him, but he's just a very hateful, bitter man. But I, he had a tortured childhood, so it was just this yeah. thing about generations hurting the next generation, you know? Hurt people, hurt yeah. people. Yeah, exactly, dude, and so, like, I don't hate my parents at all. I love my dad. I know that I'll see him on the other side, and we're gonna look at each other and be like, "We were fighting about that." Oh my God, you know, like I just, I just believe that in my mm -hmm. soul. Um, so I'm not bitter about him. I just wish our last words would have been more, um, more loving. Yeah, you know. Uh, but wherever he is right now, I know that he knows that. Dude, I, you know, I'm, I'm at peace with that. You know. Do you think you might ever try to get in touch with him again? Honestly, we all think he's like passed away. Yeah, yeah. My sister did some pretty exhaustive searching, and he knows how to disappear. But we think this may have been it for him. He's pushing seventy, and he was—he's a rascal to his last day. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. None of us have heard. He's technically missing. So <laughs> yeah, none of us know anything about him. Um, my mom and I are okay. We try and check in. You know, she's always going to tell me how much she loves me, but then, you know, I I just don't fully agree. You know, just, will you just please say the Lord's Prayer with me? Just please say the Lord. I'm like, Mom, I, you know, I hurt her feelings really bad a few months ago. I was like, Mom, I don't believe in your God. And that just hurt her. I didn't mean it to hurt her. Yeah. But I was like, um, yeah, yeah. But, so do you, do you often find yourself playing the game still when you're, with your mom or other Christian friends? No, everyone's going to know the real me. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's awesome. going to know the real me. It's hard right now on the construction side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man, it's like, like I work around your good old boys, 
you know. Yeah. And uh, so I just shut up and do my work, you know. And I have a feeling they all just kind of just know there's something different about me anyway. You know, I hear that a lot. I heard that yeah. a lot when we moved to Arkansas from California. Everyone's always like, you're different. Yeah. So I was always getting a different thing, you know. I don't know if it was just old insecurities or not. You know, I was like, I was just always like, oh, did they see that? After a while, it just became my hidden superhero, you know. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, man. Here's my superhero. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now, though, I like this job. I'm trying to get my mind right. And uh, I just, it feels good to just be honest. You yeah, know? for sure. And family has a hard time with that, you know, but mm-hmm. I just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm yeah. forced to be here, damn it, then I'm going to express myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it took you a while to learn that, though. Yeah, I'm still learning. I'm nowhere near, I'm nowhere near not even know where I'm supposed to be. I just know that I got to keep. Yeah. I got to keep going. Got to keep working hard. Um, well, being honest with other people helps you be honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't have to hold all these. Remember what I said in a conversation and, um, you know, yeah. Um, so it's just a whole new way of thinking, building a whole new grid and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So. Yeah. When you had the divorce, uh, what? How did that go? Were you, were you both okay with that? Yeah, it was the whole really, time. It was really fast, honestly. Like Cindy likes to take care of business. Like she's like, this thing mm-hmm. is gonna happen. Like she would see a new car, and I'd be like, great, we're gonna have a new car next week. Or she would see a house, and be like, we're actually gonna move into that house. You know. So when I heard this divorce, like it happened right around spring break. And. Uh, so we spent spring break talking to all of our family. Like we drove down, I just told my whole family. We just sprung in on everybody. Like, hey, we're getting divorced. <laughs> and we're happy with each other and everything's going good. And there's only one lawyer involved just for the paperwork. But other than that, you know, it's cool. It was literally like that, you know. And But everyone was like. I bet you got some interesting reactions. Dude, everyone was just like, how, everyone was like, are you too crazy? Like, how could you handle this, you know? And everyone wanted, everybody wanted to know the why. And so mm-hmm. people were instantly like, it's an affair, it's an affair, isn't it? It's an affair. And, and that's where I was on the spot in every single moment. Hey, guys, well, turns out that I'm not really into women. You know, my brother was like, Duh. he jumped up, dude, just. <laughs> Don't define it, dude. Just don't define it. Don't, don't, you know, oh, man, apparently I felt bad. I guess he really had a hard time with it, you know. I didn't know my brother was going to feel that way, but he really had a hard time with it. Um, you know, uh, my sister was, she's just so loving and understanding. My whole family's loving and understanding, you know. I have, to, I have to understand that they've seen this whole picture of me for 40 years, and mm-hmm. now, you know, now we're springing on them. Not only divorced, but, oh, hey, also I'm gay. Yeah. You know, that's two bangers right there, so I had to tell yeah. them. In that one week, we told all of them. I told my in-laws, and then we had to run home. We still had to tell our kids. And so we pulled, you know, my oldest one and my youngest one together with his wife, and we told them, and it was just crying. It was just, it was just sudden news, you know. And then I told my daughter the next day, and, you know, she jumped across the bed and hugged me. Oh, my gosh, Dad, and then she was like, wait a minute, I'm graduating. She was graduating high school this year, and she was like, my parents are getting divorced. My, you know, so 
I felt bad about that. You know, it was never a good time for a divorce, I guess. But, dude, it happened fast. Like, in a month, we told everybody, and it was done. I remember she walked out of the courtroom, and we were like, that is it? That's it? And then we went to this really weird time where no one had any emotion. We just focused on dividing up the house and taking care of the kids and yeah. kind of talking as we're doing, you know. And so we really we really forced everyone to, to cope through that. Yeah. You know, that you think, was... Do you think that emotionlessness was a defense mechanism absolutely absolutely because cindy and i talk about our breakdowns now and and i had a friend tell me hey i I, two years after my divorce i was still wrestling with stuff you know so here we are about two and a half years after our divorce and i'm like wow that was that was emotionally messy yeah you know and we're still healing from just the rush of it i think you know we just we just it's like uh rip we just rip the dog on band-aids off you know um so yeah yeah she's happy i'm glad she's happy and i'm i'm That's happy good. i yeah i don't even know what that means I'll, but i mean a lot of times it does not end like that so yeah i guess you guys are kind of lucky uh, yeah i feel fortunate i feel and she and she's a huge support dude like she still helps me with shit um, my son said it best. He he said like my ex and I kind of just went back to our senior years in high school. We we really did. You know, I had this rush of independence that I hadn't felt since I was in my twenties. You know, and I think yeah. maybe she talked about the same or something. But we just went we just went buck wild. I mean, just the dating scene was just insane. I mean, insane. I'm glad I came out of that. I'm glad I came out of that unscathed. Yeah. You know, like I, I really am, man. Dating is insane. Um, now I just enjoy my independence, though, man. I, I just, yeah. I'm like, I'm good. She's, she's happily married, remarried. I'm like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. I just want friends. That's all I want. Yeah, I just want friends around me. And yeah, <laughs> it's awesome that you're yeah. that comfortable with yourself. And... Yeah, dude. It, I, I, I love it, man. I really do. Um. I think that's what takes so long to, for me to get back together with like people I like and care about because mm-hmm. if I could just if I just get a moment to myself, it's just so nice to have just a moment to myself, you know. Yeah. And to get my mind right, but then at the same time, there's just something in in connection, you know. So I don't want to ever chase people away. I just I just you know. Mm-hmm. As far as like the marriage package, I'm just done with that. Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't know. Lightning can strike, but as of now, <laughs> I can barely take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Something Meaningful. I firmly believe that what I do helps both those I talk to and those who listen to the podcast or watch the videos. You can help me improve my content and reach more people by donating on my Patreon at Something Meaningful Show on my Anchor account by subscribing to my YouTube channel, and by sharing this with your friends. With your help, I want to get this to as many ears as possible. Help someone have a good day, and have a good day yourself.